0: Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I am Matt Baker. I perform a comedy and stunt show.
1: And I'm Louie Fox. I do uh, magic tricks, comedy, and hand shadow puppets.
0: <laughs> and we both have performed at the Moisture Festival for a number of years. So welcome to the podcast where we... Give you a peek behind the curtains of the performers and the people that make the Moisture Festival happen. You get a little lo- little bit of a look
1: at their journey to getting on stage and a little bit about what they do in their time off stage. So
0: welcome and be sure to check out all the episodes of the Moisture Festival podcast because there's a lot.
1: There is a lot. And if you aren't familiar with the Moisture Festival, it's a four week festival celebrating variety arts. So that's hula hoopers, magicians, people who bounce on their hands acrobats, pretty much anything you can think of.
0: It is the largest festival of its kind in the entire world, folks. In the entire world, it's the largest festival, and it features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today.
1: The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, but they have a burlesque venue that runs for one week only, and get your tickets for that early because that always sells out
0: actually 95% we've crunched the data Louie 95% of the shows sell out so if you're listening to this in the months of March and April be sure to go to moisturefestival.org and get your tickets today
1: yes especially if your bucket list item is to see the opening show get them now.
0: Absolutely. On today's episode, we are in the basement of a very famous clown in Portland, Oregon, and we are joined by the hilarious and talented Curtis Carlisle. That's right. Kurt talks to us about his adventures
1: as a juggler, riding tall bikes, learning to ride the unicycle, as well as traveling the world with Clowns Without Borders.
0: Yeah, it's a great conversation with lots of insight into the creative mind and how to create a show. Let's get to the interview with Curtis Carlisle. on today's moisture festival podcast we welcome in someone you hear on every episode we interview louis fox himself
1: yes we talk about my origin story (laughs) talk <laughs> about Guinness World Records, my beer box robot.
0: Yeah, we, we get into a little bit of uh, it's. we joke around a lot folks, but we had a cancellation at the last minute. And so we thought we had been talking about uh, doing this interview for a while and we're making it happen. Uh, you're gonna hear all about Louie, how he started in magic, how he's a creator of magic tricks and how he came to the moisture festival and how he became a host of the moisture festival <laughs> podcast.
1: You get everything A to Z.
0: Although I feel like I'm doing most of the work on this uh, on this one, so <laughs> uh, let's get to the interview, Louie. Let's get to you, Louie. Let's do it. Today's guest is one of my favorite people in the world. He is a two time Guinness World Record holder. He's been on America's Got Talent and The Illusionist on the WB. He's on the Moisture Festival booking team and he is the co host of the Moisture Festival podcast. We welcome Mr. Louis Fox. Woo! Hey, I know me. <laughs> hey, did you applaud yourself? Yes. Jesus. I feel like this is
1: the equivalent of, like, the teacher uh, is hung over having a movie day.
0: Yeah, this is exactly <laughs> what this is. Uh, and we're interviewing you because we had a cancellation and we had already been sort of talking about interviewing each other. But uh, we're making it happen. And you are the first person of, <laughs> of the two, two of us. Yeah, yeah we flipped, flipped a two. coin. <laughs> so uh, why don't you tell the people what you do? They might have heard your voice. On this podcast interviewing other people but they don't know all about you let's uh, tell the people what you do
1: sure I do interactive visual novelties so I do magic tricks if you want to do it a fancier way of saying that it. was a
0: very grandiose uh, way to explain <laughs> so you uh, at the at the most festival you do hand shadows yes. you MC you help out backstage you do a little bit of everything i, I do think li- even like a couple of years ago during covid when we had the moisture festival uh, sort of in 2021 you and i were even administering covid tests
1: yeah we were helping did we administer i think that was more like freelance we were administering COVID just tests. Out front. <laughs> <laughs> we're like look you can get it inside for free or we can do it outside for four dollars
0: yeah so you oftentimes do hand shadows at the moisture festival because it's such a unique art form and no one else really does it correct how did
1: you... say a lot of people don't know i do more than that shadow puppets yeah that's the thing because that's typically what i do at the festival and how i got into doing shadows at the festival was uh i was performing in a show called drunk puppet night and yeah. at, at Hales, and someone said hey you'd be great at the moisture festival i'm like yeah i would So then I think the show ran three nights.
0: Yes, I would be great there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'd do great. Uh, So I think the show ran three nights and we did like six or seven shows. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So like the next night, I think Tim first shows up. He's like, hey, I'm with the Moisture Festival booking team. I'm here to check you out. I'm going to just watching you and I'm leaving. So if I'm gone after the show, don't read anything into that. I'm like, okay. Gotcha. So I do my thing. Tim's gone. Next show. Randy shows up, Randy uh-huh. Minkler, who's uh, on the board, and he shows up and he's like, hey, I'm with the Moisture Festival booking team. <laughs> I'm just here to watch you. That's how coordinated of an affair it is. And he goes, yeah, because Tim and Randy live next door to each other. Sure.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> they
1: couldn't carpool, car walk down, <laughs> um, walk pool. So he's like, hey, if, if I don't watch your whole show, don't you're, or if I'm not here after the show, don't read anything to that. I'm like, okay, whatever. Watches the show, he's gone next day someone else shows up
0: and says the same thing
1: <laughs> and then finally i once it...
0: met tim first at a restaurant and now i'm here yeah to, to give him my opinion on your act
1: exactly uh, yeah i pumped Tim's first gas in portland in 1983 <laughs> and uh, now i'm giving him some notes on whether we should book you or not
0: yeah so uh so the, you got the thumbs up essentially.
1: yeah i got the thumbs up and uh I got to work in the festival, and the first year I was in the festival was huge for me because you're on the stage with, like, people, my heroes.
0: Yeah, like myself.
1: Yes. I don't think we ever worked the Moisture Festival together. (laughs) I don't think we have. I don't think we have. (laughs) So, uh, like, my first year, the Raspini brothers were there, Mm -hmm. and they were, like, kind of formed how I work a little bit because I I was 17 years old in Minnesota, and I snuck into a casino to see them. Nice. Nice. And they were doing there was I was really there to see the magician, Jason Byrne, who did like uh made the birds appear. And that's why uh-huh. I was there. But then I saw the raspinis, I'm like,
0: what is this? Yeah, Cause right? they have that
1: high laugh for a minute, like, here's the prop. Here's a joke, joke, joke. Yeah. Here's what I'm gonna do with the prop. Joke, joke, joke. I'm doing it with the prop. Joke, joke, joke. What do we think of that joke joke joke? Uh-huh. So that that style really resonated with me and i like that style so uh-huh. my first year i did the, the same week as the raspini brothers and i'm like this oh, is the man. coolest
0: thing ever did you ever find out what happened to the magician jason burns yeah that?
1: he's he's around he was in um the, at the variety show at bally's it was in oh, Vian, nice. vegas for a long time
0: nice
1: yeah it was a great show he was amazing yeah so so then one night um dan holzman of the raspini brothers pulls me aside he goes hey Louie, do you think you can close the show tonight I go, I think so. Do you think it's good? I'm good enough? He's like, yeah. So then him and Barry drag me over to Tim first. And they go, Louis can close the show. And Tim's like, okay. And then Dan goes, good. I want to leave here and
0: watch Lock Up Raw. <laughs> <laughs> the season finale of Cops is on. Yeah, I was like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm glad. I'm glad you thought uh, I could close the yeah, show. Yeah. you're like, did he actually think that I could close the show? or He <laughs> I, just was I a pawn <laughs> in his uh, TV watching game. Yes. <laughs> nice. And uh, you've been ever since. And now you are a part of it. You're uh, helping book acts. You're on the booking team. You're, yep. You run the podcast. But b- even before you saw the Raspini brothers, you were doing magic. I, when did you start doing magic? So I saw, I mean, I
1: saw a Magician when I was a kid and I was like, oh, that's cool. I want to do it. Then when I was in, I think, third grade, I was I somehow ended up in the school talent show, and I don't remember auditioning for it or anything. I just remember someone's like, "Hey, you do magic tricks? You're in the talent
0: you show." You can cause... put a silk into a thumb tip. Yeah,
1: it was worse. I had a paperclip and it disappeared.
0: <laughs> That's pretty good. I've never seen that before.
1: <laughs> no one did because on stage you can't see a paperclip.
0: 200 people look at yeah. look at this paper clip now it yeah. will go into my hand and, and it's gone, it is gone. like yeah. was there ever a paper clip
1: that's kind of i remember i remember as like you know whatever seven or eight looking at the like no one can see this yeah and uh no one was like,
0: you could probably do the bit without a paper clip <laughs> yes Here's save some save some money
1: <laughs> yes because back in 1984 paper clips were very expensive <laughs>
0: So you did the, the talent show, and it was went well?
1: Yeah, and then it was something I kind of always did a little bit. And then in middle high school, I started getting serious about it. Uh huh. So I built a garbage table and, and, like, went into the Pike Place Market and went street perform.
0: Wait, what's a garbage table?
1: Just, like, made out of, like, wood I found in the woods. Or, like, a
0: table to do... Do like magic tricks on. To do magic on, not, yeah. like, uh, you know... Yeah, it was, it,
1: yeah, it was just, like... Oh, I was walking home from baseball practice, and I found a slab of wood. All right.
0: (laughs) And so you knew you you were had you done shows at that point before you were doing no that was kind of the Pike
1: Place that was kind of my introduction to doing
0: that. Okay, and so you were seventeen, and you're like, you know, I was like fourteen, and then you tried to go down the Pike Place Market and make it work. Yeah, and so I suspect most of
1: the money I got was because I was a fourteen year old trying to do magic tricks versus I was good.
0: Nice. Yeah. And how did it go? For, I mean,
1: I felt like I was doing good. In retrospect, I was horrible. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know that feeling.
1: But then what happened there was there's, you, there's the magic shop in the Pike Place Market. Mm. And they had heard about this kid doing magic tricks up on the corner. So they came up and saw me and I ended up working. Uh, they ended up hiring me to work behind the counter as their demonstrator to do the magic tricks
0: oh, nice. on like one day a week. So would you do, like, on your lunch breaks, would you go do a show up on, in front of the original <laughs> Starbucks? Double dip, like we're doing right now?
1: <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Um, but, yeah, so I'd go, like, you know, demonstrate magic tricks. And then I, I don't know how legal this is, so this may or may not have happened. But I had two rates I could get paid X or, like, double if I did it in trade.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: So, and I don't think how legal, know how legal it was having a fourteen-year-old, uh, <laughs> yeah, working eight hours. I think this is all <laughs> above
0: board. <laughs> so wait, they they bribed you with uh, magic props. Yeah, so I would buy a lot so of magic books and stuff like that. Twenty bucks an hour, or we can give you this cool Svengali deck yeah, ex- and a straitjacket if you work for the next three months.
1: Exactly. Pretty much, it was like I sold my soul to the company store, sort of stuff. <laughs>
0: Nice and then so how did uh, you know you transition from a 17 year old what like t- so from a kid was so... like what the building blocks of like getting to where you are today. All right,
1: so I did the street perform work behind the counter and then my mom's job moved to Minnesota. so then we mm. moved out there. And we were in a smaller town, We really in a city, so I couldn't really go into downtown and street perform. And Minneapolis in the winter is not really a street performing town anyway. No.
0: No, it's not a do-anything town.
1: Not in the summer either. That's the thing. (laughs) So uh, I ended up working at the Mall of America at a a place that had a magic counter. I was their, like, resident magician. Uh, And I would do stuff there. But then that's where I kind of started getting some gigs. But I was getting older and I could kind of figure out how to get to gigs too. Uh-huh. And my first paid gig was doing close-up magic lane to lane at a bowling alley. Nice. It, it's a horrible gig.
0: So wait, so when people are dipping into nachos or cooling their hand on that cool air thingy. And they'd be they're like, like hey, pick a card.
1: You, like, you got I nacho can... hands? Dip your hand on that air fan. <laughs>
0: And uh, were people receptive to that?
1: No, <laughs> they were. They were more like, "It's my turn to bowl. Go away." <laughs> I'm working on a turkey, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so then, then uh, years later, maybe five years ago. So this is you know what, thirty years later, twenty five years later. I got the opportunity to do a corporate gig lane to lane at a bowling alley. And I, I was like, I'm gonna go back and slay the dragon.
0: <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> Oh man, uh, that reminds me of uh, something that happened to me. Is I got a a email for a gig at the hotel that I lost my virginity at. <laughs> and I had I had said in the email back, I'm like, I would love to do this gig. I lost my virginity at your hotel, and I never heard back from them. I wonder why not. It's probably your pricing. That's my yeah. That's my business acumen right there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so bowling okay. alley magic not no good no matter yeah. what phase so of your career you're if
0: in you're, if you are listening at home and you're considering taking up a magic gig at a bowling alley don't do it
1: don't do it don't do it <laughs> yeah but then I started kind of building up my stuff and then we I turned 18 I won like the Society of American Magicians Minnesota Stage Magician of the Year sort of thing mm. and I had like a an act I didn't talk into, and it was to music where, like, you know, things appeared. It was a very, like, Vegasy oh, gotcha. style silent act. Uh-huh. Um, and I came, but then I came back here, and you need more than five minutes. And I was always a talker. So yeah. I kind of leaned into that part more. Because there's more work for a talking act than there is for a silent act.
0: Absolutely. And so, like, when did that, when did you transition from doing like the sort of visual magic that you might see at a Vegas to music, like as high energy, seven to nine minute technical act to like a comedy magician? Cause I know you started, you started doing comedy clubs in Seattle. Yes. And you, you opened up for a lot of people. So, so when did, when, when did you get into doing like stand up comedy slash magic?
1: Pretty quickly after that. Uh, so, I moved back at 18. So, right, pretty much right around then. Okay. Um, But back then, because Seattle had a thing called the Teen Dance Ordinance, where if your venue served booze and it was all ages, you had to be done by 10 o'clock. Oh, interesting. So we, I don't know if it was just Seattle, it might have been King County or it could have been the state, but it made it hard to work doing the show I wanted to do because Uh I couldn't do it in the places that facilitated what I wanted to do. Gotcha. I couldn't go to a comedy club and break it in because we just weren't allowed in if you were Mm -hmm. under 21.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it's changed now. But I did find this after hours late night drag circuit mm. <laughs> that I could perform in. So it was after, they would, show us would start at like 3 in the morning.
0: Wait, the show would start at 3 in the morning? Yeah. So after the oh bars would
1: close, they would start like 2.30 or 3 in the morning and they would go to like 5 a.m.
0: Wait, and you're not, you're, how old are you at this 18, time? 18,
1: 18, okay, 19. So
0: you're an adult. And your mom's not like, hey, yeah. what's
1: going on? No. And so I would like take the last bus into like downtown to go up to Capitol Hill and the first bus at 5 a.m. home. Nice. Uh, And yeah, one of the places was Coffee Messiah up Uh, on Capitol Hill.
0: The best. That was my favorite coffee shop.
1: It was super cool. Super. And I saw everything like I saw a guy who just like cut himself on the chest with glass while he did slam poetry. Wow. And then I saw tons of like cool you know this is early this is late 90s like drag queens and all that
0: yeah and so you're cutting your teeth doing magic and doing sort of comedy figuring out how to talk yeah yes in front of an audience but you know they're an audience at 3 30 in the morning <laughs> so they're intoxicated they've been up all nights or they're on some other substance i'm assuming
1: yeah but they were always great super supportive audiences yeah um and that's kind of where i learned to talk In the Mm. show. And then I turned 21 and started going to my home comedy club, which was Giggles Comedy Club. Mm -hmm. And the joke there was the font they used, it always looked like it's a Jiggles. Yes. So every out of town headliner, like, oh, I thought this was a strip club. It's Jiggles.
0: Well, it did. And and then Giggles (laughs) did become a strip club after it became Jiggles. In Life Imitating
1: Art, yes, it became a strip club called Jiggles. And then it went back to a comedy (laughs) club. Then it went back to a comedy club called Laughs. Yes. Uh,
0: so But that then, was your home club, and so you were cutting your teeth in front of, you know, like people who have sleep at normal hours. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, and I was the house MC there for a couple of years, too.
0: So. You got to open up for I, Lewis Black and Mitch mm-hmm. Hedberg. Yes. And
1: other Tons people. of people. Dave Attell. Um, just tons. Because that was a weird time when a lot of comics didn't work theaters. Mm-hmm. So they were, it was kind of everyone was doing this transition from theaters to, um, or sorry, from comedy clubs to theaters where this kind of venue opened up to comics. Yeah. And yeah, so I got to do a lot of these people when they were. On kind of leveling up out of clubs, but they were still yes. kind of fulfilling legacy contracts. Yeah. Uh, now, like, when I
0: met you you your show sort of did resemble more of a stand up comic pacing. Right? Yes. Like it's you're stand you're standing in front of a handheld mic and you're doing jokes as like a stand up and then you would bring the magic out, which, you know, usually when it's a comedy magician, the magic comes out pretty early. So. Um, Was that a conscious choice of yours or was it just sort of the environment that you were in?
1: It was a conscious choice because the theory is they're supposed to like me before I get into that, uh, into the magic. Uh, And also it's just easier if you walk up and you're like, poof, there's an expectation now that you've set. Yes. And it's not that you're funny. So I wanted to show them I could tell jokes and and would be funny before I got the magic involved. Exactly.
0: And then that's just like cherry on top.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They like me. I'm funny. But then they're also more willing to laugh at the jokes because they, they know I can deliver.
0: Yes. Yeah. And how long did you do that for? How long were you working in comedy clubs? A few years. A, f- a few years. Um, And were you sustaining? Were you? Were you, you were doing any other show or uh, I was doing anything
1: that, anything that came through. Gotcha. Any gig. So any what, gigs, would you
0: be doing a comedy club at this time and then a birthday party over here? Well, and uh, yeah. A bat mitzvah over here. Yeah. So
1: like I used to go on the road and the headliners didn't, I wasn't like the most desirable travel companion if you had to move Because usually back then, if you had 30 minutes of material, and didn't have a DUI and like a clean driver's license and a car, you could get a ton of work because there was a ton of headliners. Yeah. That didn't have a car. Didn't have a driver's license.
0: I never understood that. Like coming up, me too, right? Like what? Like why is the headline comedian? Why does he not have a car? Why am I driving <laughs> him to the event? I don't understand this. Like that was the the formula, right? Yeah. Like the, the the MC or the feature comic they would drive the headliner to the event to and fro. Like, I don't get that.
1: I don't. Yeah. And and like on the road, it was just all these old, old timers had DUIs and that's, (laughs) so I got a ton of work because I had 30 minutes and I I had a car. Yeah. Nice. And no DUI. No DUI.
0: (laughs) You send your packet into a comedy agent. They're like, okay, you're good. But the first question I need to know is, do you have a warrant for your arrest? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, I actually worked with a headliner. We were in the middle of like nowhere driving, like in you know, on um, like by the gorge uh in, in the middle of Washington State. And I was like driving back from a gig in spokane and I had to pee. So I like just pulled on the side of the freeway and went pee, and he's freaking out. I was like, A cop's gonna see us and come over and get us. I'm like, what are you worried about? And he's like, I've got warrants.
0: <laughs> I'm wanted in thirty states. <laughs> this isn't my real name.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So back then
0: is a stage
1: (laughs) my real name whitey bulger
0: (laughs) classy classy
1: so there's a ton of work to be had if you could get the headliner to the gig
0: yeah yeah Uh, but then oh so
1: they didn't like it because what i would do then is i'd book like a school assembly during the day yeah it was like halfway so i'd be like we got to. if you're riding with me we got to get up at seven to do this 10 a.m show
0: yeah, and that's something interesting about you is knowing you over the years is, uh, I, for better or worse, uh, it's something I admire about you. You're you're the James Brown of magic. You're the hardest working <laughs> guy I know. It's like, you and I will go do a show somewhere and then you're like, I gotta go. I got another show at this other place and it's like some random truck stop or some... <laughs> I you booked know, you into that truck stop. Daycare, yeah, or daycare. I'm just saying like, you you are the king of like, uh, adding on gigs to events that you've already booked.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a great way to get extra. You're already there. Might as well take the extra yeah. money.
0: Yeah, uh, and uh, you did give me that gig at the truck stop, and <laughs> I, I thank you every day for it.
1: <laughs> it was a great gig. <laughs> well, you don't remember it, but you worked with your new BFF, John Armstrong, there.
0: I Yeah, you know, what's funny is, uh, the, it's funny you mentioned, because John was supposed to be at this year's Moisture Festival, but something came up, and hopefully we can have him next year. Uh, But I don't remember that, honestly And He brought it up to me when I uh, I was working with him on a cruise ship And he brought it up and I'm like, I don't remember I remember the truck stop And I remember doing a gig the next day Where I was, you know, not in the right mindset To finish the gig
1: Well, because we drove, we did um, We did the Mount Angel Oktoberfest Or something like that the next day Yes, that's what it was And you slept in the car the whole time And I would have to wake you up for your show
0: yeah, it was, I, was not, I was not so hot. Uh, so let's talk about uh, sort of how you transitioned into doing uh, what you do now, which is a lot of fairs and festivals. But before we get into that, um, I want to know about your experience on America's Got Talent okay. and what you did on it. Because I was there, but I want to hear it in your own words.
1: Okay. Yeah, so I built a robot named Robo. And he used a comedy joke telling robot. Um, uh-huh. My brother's ex wife called him offensive robot because the yeah. robot can tell jokes that I couldn't tell. Yes. and remember, you got a flashback. This is like 2003, something like that.
0: When you were you when you were doing Robo?
1: Yes. And uh, Robo,
0: and this robot worked a lot of comedy clubs.
1: Yes, yeah, he he had a little bit of a following, but it was a it was a robot that looked like a couple drunk idiots built. Like his body was a garbage can. He had like, like dryer and not, pipes. Not
0: you, earlier, you said garbage table, but this this then you use that as sort of like a metaphor. This one is, was an actual garbage, um, an table. actual
1: round metal garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> but I built the circuit board he ran off out of like wood and wires. My brother, who's an electrical engineer, uh, was going to electrical engineer school at the time, looked at it and he was like, you built that? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's pretty complicated. I'm like, uh
0: <laughs> You're like, I didn't have to pay $30,000 to get some fancy degree to build this.
1: Exactly. I, I didn't need student loans to build a, a garbage can robot. <laughs> but then like... Um, You're his... the goodwill hunting of, <laughs> of <laughs> robot,
0: robot comedians.
1: Yeah. So it was remote controlled. My buddy did the voice. We like one night we pissed off some guy so i would we would stand at the back of the club i would yeah, have to... but
0: no explain how it worked though like so the robot would be on stage you would be running the remote control so the robot was remote control operated yeah and, and then my buddy did guy, the voice the voice so no, the only per- thing that's on stage is the robot yeah
1: so he gets in an ar- the robot gets in an argument with this guy in the audience who's like right in front of us he can he knows we're running it so the guy gets pissed comes on stage and just starts beating the crap out of the robot and we're both standing there like what just happened was the audience loving it yeah it was more like a what the hell (laughs) but that's when we knew we're like we have the illusion perfect if the guy chose to punch out a beer box and a garbage can yes over us so so that's the robot and then at one point We just, we painted him gold and he was Goldbow and all yes. of his jokes were gold-related.
0: Yes, and I've worked with Goldbow before <laughs> and uh, it's, a, it's a tough act to follow.
1: Well, it, it's going to be hit or miss. It's one of those things where you, you... The idea is it's kind of funny and a novelty for the first 45 seconds. And then you go over the edge and it's not funny because it's all gold jokes. Yes. And then the goal is... It, we, you get so deep in the gold jokes, you can't help but get back on the train, and it's uh-huh. super funny again. Yeah, Doesn't always happen that way, but that's the goal.
0: But you did not do Goldbo on America's Got Talent. You did Robo. Regular Robo.
1: And, yes. Uh,
0: so how did it go? Not so hot. <laughs> I was in the audience, too, watching, and I was rooting for you, but uh, you had a tough go. I think you followed, like, you know, some opera singer who was nine years old and blind
1: yeah and then what well, it was weird so my buddy who's doing the voice they had him. they gave him a headset and so he could hear like all the judges mics talking about him
0: oh geez so
1: howie mandel loved us um si- uh simon cowell i think it was simon cowell no um no, I
0: think he was it was uh if I remember right, it was Howie Mandel Sharon
1: Osborne
0: Sharon Osborne and then the third person Piers Morgan was Piers was I think Piers because you were on the season after me, I think. Yeah.
1: So, so yeah. So and Piers Morgan. So Howie's Howie is loving it. Um Sharon's like whatever. And Piers Morgan the whole time's like Are midgets going to jump out of that? (laughs) Sorry, little people. Are little people going to... That was his words at the time. So so that's all my buddy can hear. It's probably his
0: words still, actually.
1: (laughs) So all my buddy, while he's trying to tell jokes, can hear is like peers going, when are the little people coming out?
0: Yeah. And, you know, what's funny about that show is that, you know, they give cues to the audience beforehand to do like canned shots so they'll have half the audience boo and half the audience clap yes they'll have half the audience stand up so they get all these canned shots so that they can dictate you know how it's edited and how they want you to be perceived so yeah um, at the time you didn't really get booed people were just like this is people didn't get this is weird (laughs) and uh but and i believe you were on with uh, melissa villasenor who's uh, an snl uh cast member right i now. think so. so she was on like right after you guys
1: we were the first act that they had that they allowed to be the character because back then they wanted two things they wanted you to crash and burn and make fun of you yeah. or they wanted the heartwarming story
0: exactly
1: so what uh we did we went in for the audition with an attitude of you need us more than we need you
0: uh-huh
1: and because of that, we were able to kind of do a lot of things they wouldn't necessarily let us do. Mm. So they're like, oh, we need to interview you guys. We go, no, you interviewed the robot. Exactly. And they were like, we can't do that. I'm like, we're out. Yeah. And they're
0: like, well, the oh. The robot is the performer, not us.
1: Yeah. So then they interviewed the robot as the performer and did a lot of personality stuff, which was great. But then yeah. that attitude continued at like the live show because they have you in like a little pen you're not supposed to leave.
0: Yeah. So me and my buddy sure corralled.
1: Yeah. So me and my and they like they they fed us like a a gar like a horrible like six foot like sub. That yeah. Was, we're like, there's like 70 people here. <laughs> yeah. Right. You get a piece of lettuce. You get a sesame seed. <laughs> we're gonna be chopping this up like like in Goodfellas when he's in jail <laughs> slicing the, the garlic. So we would just go across the street and go over there and like drink beers and have lunch. Uh And the producer would keep texting me or calling me like, where are you? I'm like, you don't need me. He's like, where? I'm like, he's like, we need you. I'm like, no, I saw the shooting schedule. I'm not till 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't need me. And then we would come back to the little holding area and everyone's like, how did you get out? And I'm like, the wall's a curtain. I just went like, you know, just use my hand. You're like, we're not
0: the performers. The the, that garbage can is the performer. (laughs) We're just the support system.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah. So it was uh, I had a blast because we came in with the mindset of we're just here to goof off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what was nice about it is that they gave the robot a lot of they gave some additional footage and time on the show to the robot that a lot of performers didn't get.
1: Correct. Cause we did some silly stuff with it. Yeah. Like yeah. it's walking down the street and it tries to go off a curve and just crash <laughs> falls over. And, and,
0: and that's what's one of the, the sort of hallmarks of performing with this robot comedian that you created is that oftentimes it would, at the, the, end, is, at the end it drives off the
1: stage and yeah. smashes. The, and so we were constantly repairing this thing.
0: Yeah. So it would fall off the stage and then it would be like, how come no one is helping me? Yeah, and then someone
1: would pick him up finally, someone would be honest, pick him up and go, don't touch me.
0: <laughs> uh, and so you don't do that anymore?
1: No, it's just uh, my buddy who does it lives in Boise now, so it's hard to,
0: to court oh, me. Oh man, well, you know, because I've had this thought over the last few years is that I think that might be a cool addition to the Moisture Festival, <laughs> like a just a four minute weird act. Yeah, super weird. <laughs> I think so, it's too then, weird. <laughs> you think it's too weird the question is can there be an act that is too weird for the moisture festival
1: yeah i don't think there is because that's the cool thing with the moisture festival audiences is
0: they're going to give everyone a chance well and it's just such a short period of time that it's like if they don't like him there's another act coming up exactly
1: exactly
0: another robot you know opera singer (laughs) yes here's a robot chef <laughs> so something you're known for is inventing magic tricks and you've done you've in, invented a lot you're very uh you're an amazing magician first of all and second of all like the the thought process that you put into the things that you do is uh profound and so you've created a bunch of magic tricks that are very popular in the magic world uh, do you want to sort of talk about uh, some of the things that you've created or where it's been seen or how that works. Yeah, so it's
1: it's a weird thing. So I write for a magician's magazine called Vanish Magazine. Mm. So every month I give them an original trick that I've created. And I think in between all the like books I have stuff in and all that, I think I've published over 150 original magic tricks. Wow. And then I also... Is that
0: pretty pro. I'm assuming that's pretty prolific. That's in fairly prolific,
1: role. yeah. If I was to gauge my prolificness in like baby's head sizes i'd say in like the 90th percentile
0: you're like the bob dylan of magic tricks
1: (laughs) more more like a lisa Loeb.
0: okay gotcha (laughs)
1: um but that's something i really enjoy is creating magic tricks and figuring out how to do this and like kind of putting the the idea into the real life that's my favorite part of all this like if i could sustain myself just inventing magic tricks i would
0: yeah what about, you know, you talked about writing for Vantage Magazine, but you also were uh, instrumental in writing Jim Rose's autobiography.
1: It wasn't an autobiography. It was a book he put out um, called Angles. So I wrote uh, most of the con game stuff in that.
0: Gotcha. And they he paid you the same way the magic shop paid you in trade. Yes. Yeah, so he gives me garbage bags. So I, he was opening
1: for Godsmack, I think yeah the band yeah and so he's like hey come meet me at the tour bus and i'll i'll we'll settle up i'm like okay so i show up oh and he had stood me up i think twice to settle up already <laughs>
0: <laughs> like how many godsmack shows do i have to watch to get paid
1: yes i think i think i think i went to a chumba wumba show
0: and he stood me up <laughs> <laughs> no money is no amount of money is worth going to that show so so i'm like
1: all right, so I show up, go to the concert. Afterwards, uh, I, I mean, by the tour bus, and he he's like, "Here you go, I'm gonna like, get your payment." He comes out with two giant black garbage bags full of concert T-shirts, and this is the early 2000s, so like the internet's not really a thing. And he's like, "There you go." I'm like, "Oh, okay." So I, I take him home, and I have these bags of like concert T-shirts that are like uh-huh. various sizes. You know, I'm like all Chumba <laughs> Yeah. So I start, like, you know, people come, like, the, the cable guy comes over, like, hey, thanks for setting up my cable. Here, take some concert shirts. Yeah, I would use them as rags. Oh, nice. And then I'm down to, like, my last three shirts. And some, some someone's like, you really giving this to me? I go, yeah, take it. He goes, that shirt's worth like $150. <laughs> I was like, what? It was like a nine inch nails shirt. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah. He's, he goes, have you heard of this thing called the internet? We can look yeah. up what these go for. There's so i was like oh i really got paid like three grand in shirts
0: yeah I and mean, you gave it all away he gave you some he he taught you to fish <laughs> gave you some seeds that you could have started a farm with and you just instead you know, i just burn them off used them as rags
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> used to tip the cable guy
0: <laughs> and so now like you're you'd perform at a lot of i mean you perform all over the place but a big part of what you do is performing at festivals and fairs.
1: Yeah, I would say my core market is fairs. So I'm in a hotel room right now, and I'm going to be performing at a fair starting tomorrow uh, in Hanford, California. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so that's a big part of it. How I got into it, I had done a couple fairs being sponsored by like the library district, or being sponsored mm. by like, oh, here's the recycling program, but we're bringing in a magician. Yeah, and then that's where I started hanging out with uh, other people who performed at fairs, because before, outside of the comedy, you're just a solo performer out there by yourself. Yeah, and it's it's like you, the camaraderie really makes being on the road palatable.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So. I started to do more and went to like a fair conference and started booking some shows. And that's a big part of my thing. I love hanging out in the sun all day. But what yeah. I, I love about like a fair is I can work on new material. All these ideas I have, I can work on them because you do three shows a day. Yeah. And it's, and a, it's a pretty low risk, it's a low pressure show. show. Yeah. It's not like, hey, I'm a corporation. I just paid you $7,000 for 40 minutes. Yeah, and I can't. And you're working there.
0: on new material. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> doing doing stuff I haven't done before. So <laughs> that's the nice thing about it for me. That's what I. Yeah, do.
0: and what's cool too is one of your hobbies is uh, you know you go around and you sort of take in. Wherever you go, you sort of take in some uh, more of the unusual attractions that the area has, and you'll go out of your way to eat at a restaurant or go to a coffee shop or uh, go and see something cool. And that's, you know, it sort of ties into a hobby that you already have.
1: Yes, exactly. I like you called my job a hobby. (laughs) What are you, my dad?
0: (laughs) (laughs) He did submit some questions that I I did. I'm not going to ask because they're too personal. So- (laughs) Yeah, no,
1: so I love doing that. I love seeing weird stuff. I love, you know, I'll go, I'll drive 4 hours to see a, a taxidermy two-headed goat. Like Yeah. Uh or or whatever. I mean, I'll drive like
0: I was somewhere <laughs> It, it, well we were just talking the other day like you drove out of the out of the way to see some place th- that was said that an alien had been buried or you went to the site of where buddy holly oh yeah I went. yeah crashed. like
1: yeah we were talking yesterday I, yeah i went to the buddy holly crash site which is in the middle of a cornfield yeah uh, and i don't remember the guy's name now but i was i was on a cruise ship on vacation and the the they're doing trivia and the guy goes you know the the plane crashed with Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper. What was the name of the pilot? And it popped into my head. I don't remember it now, but I'm like, I know. And I was like, he <laughs> no said, one knows that. he was like, he's like, you're the first person to ever get that. I'm like, I was there.
0: You're like, you're a bad trivia host. You should have <laughs> questions that people actually know Then Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. So they gave me like an extra, like I got like a Royal Caribbean t-shirt because yeah. I got it right.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. And, uh, so you perform all over the place. And if people want to find you, um, you have, you've got a bunch of stuff online. You got pretty much, you have like, you used to do a show that was like magic tricks in the hotel room. Yes. Which was pretty cool. That was like, t- uh, it's, it's basically,
1: I was doing like what TikTok is now.
0: Yeah. And you were putting it on Facebook. I believe those videos still exist. They still right? exist. You
1: can find them. Yeah. But you can find me at louifox.com, L-O-U-I-E-F-O-X-X.com. If you want to be a super magic nerd, you can hit up my magic uh, blog, which is I update it daily with the stupid magic stuff, uh, which is magicshow.tips. Uh, one of my weird other hobbies is I hand make bullwhips. You can hit me up at bullwhips.org, and you can find uh, more there.
0: Yeah, and what's you are like a jack of all trades. I mean, you do the hand shadows at the Moisture Festival. You are a very great at cowboy tricks, lasso, and bullwhips. You make your own bullwhips. They've been in the lots of movies yep. your bullwhips have. Um, but you also do like you cut portraits for people like, I mean <laughs> I've seen you do portraits. stuff like that yes. like people have hired you to cut like they, what is that
1: yeah it's just I get these weird things I'm interested in and my uh, Carrie Lynn my wife says I get laser focused on it and we'll just like eat sleep and breathe that until I kind of figure it out
0: Uh huh. and the, cutting the faces of people into paper was one of those things yeah it was
1: one of those I always thought it was cool
0: yeah. And how long did it take you to do that? Uh I I'm still not very good at it. I just don't do it enough.
1: Gotcha. Um, so I would say I'm still not good at it. Uh, yeah.
0: I mean you you know how to juggle, you know, you got can whip crack, you know, you got it's uh you're you're a jack of all trades, man. I do a little bit of everything. I dabble. I'm I mean like juggling I'm
1: eh, I'm adequate at. I could I
0: I But could, you I, so you used to do it in your show. So. Yeah,
1: I used to juggle in the show. Um
0: and, and what are your Guinness World Records in?
1: Uh, most bounces of a bubble of soap on a human hand. Uh huh. Oh yeah. And you
0: do soap bubbles. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. You got a cool soap bubble routine. And uh, man, so so the the record is bouncing a bubble on your hand. Yes. And it, what's the record? Uh,
1: I think now it's like three hundred and something. Oh, I did you don't a, have it anymore. I don't have it anymore. No. Gotcha. Um, but I did eighty-eight, and then I did hundred and two. I think. Gotcha.
0: And what's the other record you have?
1: Uh, so most bottles grabbed and caught with a bull whip in a minute.
0: Okay, and explain that. So, like,
1: imagine there's a, a table with a beer bottle on it, uh-huh. and like you grabbed the whip and yanked it towards you and caught it, like you, like in a beer commercial. Yeah. Like Spuds McKenzie would do this uh-huh. with his
0: tail, and that's what I did. Yeah. And what was the record? What? How many is that? I think I did eight. I think, you know, what's funny is like after you broke that record, you told me that I should do that in my show and I practiced it for a while and I cra- I cracked my head with a bottle. <laughs> and I was like, I think he's just trying to. This, it's
1: trying. not hard. Well, because the story behind that is um, I got a call from, from a Guinness World Record show and they're like, can you do this? I'm like, I don't know. I've never tried. <laughs> so, so I go out to the park. I'm like, I record it and I kind of got one where I kind of catch it. So I sent it to him, and the guy's like, "Great, we'll let you know." I'm like, uh, <laughs> "Okay." So then I get this email with a plane ticket to Burbank uh, from Southwest Airlines. <laughs> so I'm like, "Oh, jeez." I'm like, "What is this?" And so then, like, the next day, I get a call from uh, a producer. He's like, "Did you get the plane ticket?" I'm like, "For what?" And he's like, "You're on the show on Saturday." I'm like, "Oh." I've never
0: practiced this. In Thanks my for life. checking in with me about my calendar. <laughs>
1: Thanks for letting me, because I, I wasn't going to practice if I wasn't on the show.
0: What I would have loved if you had just gotten a Guinness World Records certificate in the mail after that one that you did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so on the TV show, I fail. So if you can find a show called Guinness World Records Unleashed in my episode, you can watch me uh, suck hard on TV.
0: It's all right. You can find Robo on the America's Got Talent and you're on the Illusionist. I think you're on two Masters of Illusions. Seasons. Oh, sorry. Did I say Illusionist in the yeah, intro? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So Masters of Illusion. I'll, I'll edit and that back in. On- That's the beauty Illusion. of me editing my own <laughs> episode. <laughs> Hold on. I'll say it right now. He was on Masters of Illusion. <laughs> so you were on Masters of Illusion and uh, and I think two different seasons, right?
1: Correct. I was on two seasons. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, which is hosted by Superman.
1: Yeah. Dean Cain. However, yeah. he, he just comes in on like green screens. it. We're never there.
0: Oh, well, what?
1: Yeah. I think last season they had him. He had a more active role. Um, gotcha. But yeah. He...
0: And those clips are available online. You can just Google Louis Fox.
1: Yeah. Masters of and, illusion. Uh, you can find it.
0: And um, one question I did get submitted beforehand is uh, what Louis Fox is not your actual name. No, it's not. It's a fake it is name. A stage name. Yeah. My real
1: name is Isaac Louie. And the problem with two first names, and Isaac was super uncommon back then, was no one could remember my name. So people would call me Louie. And then uh, I was hanging out with this fake mind reader from Brazil. And he's, like, smoking a cigar. And he's, like, use the name Louie Fox. It sounds good. I was, like, uh, okay. And then he did, like, a numerology chart. And like he's, like, the moon is in Pluto. And he's, like, use an extra X. I was, like, all right. Oh, wow. And it stuck.
0: And this guy changed your entire yeah. career Com- overnight. Bor- Boris Comancho Vega. <laughs> and what's funny is that, you know, you, you know, you and I are very close. And when your wife calls you Isaac, I'm like, who the hell is Isaac? I have no idea who that is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because I know he was Louie and I've known you for so long as that. It's like when I hear your actual name, it like throws me. I'm like, I have no idea who that person is. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <Who> <laughs> you can <is> check <laughs> we can find louis Fox uh, at com. You said Instagram, Facebook. You even have a TikTok. You can yep. check out those videos wherever you go. Uh, you can also check out the podcast that he does, which is called the Moisture Festival podcast. Yeah, hosted with me and you. You can also
1: check out my other podcast, the Odd and Off Beat podcast <laughs> that I do with uh... Matt.
0: So did I miss anything? I'm I'm there's a lot I'm missing. I know, I know we're on sort of short notice here, but uh what, what I think I you missing? got everything. I think yeah, uh, there's there's gotta be something we're, I'm missing. We're
1: busy fostering kittens right now.
0: Oh. <laughs> like, yeah, tell us about that. If you need a follow. Oh, okay, hold on, hold on. This is this is something interesting. Uh you had you used to have a rat in your show called Daisy the Wonder Rat.
1: Yes, we had a trained rat in the show. <laughs> Yeah. She, she used to appear out of a paper bag and do tricks so my daughter wanted a ferret but ferrets lived to be like 40 and i was like i don't need that yeah, yeah so no we way. settled on a rat because they lived to be a couple years yeah and then my wife got hooked on them so we've had pet rats for a while we just wrapped up our last batch or it's gonna be a while before we have any more though
0: yeah and you're fostering kittens now yeah
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> we've been fostering kittens the whole time
0: oh since even with the rats yeah yeah. Oh, interesting. What's one of my favorite things about your the rat story is uh, two things, actually. One is that the rat started having tumors and you and you had to make the decision of paying a bunch of money to get the, you know, the tumors removed or the cancer removed from the rat. And you, I asked you how much it was, and it was like a couple thousand dollars. I'm like, you know, you can just get a new rat.
1: You get a lot of but new no, rats. this
0: is Daisy the Wonder Rat.
1: The rat, the rat got me on TV a bunch. The rat, yeah. you know, like I owed the rat. It was like fifteen hundred bucks to get it removed. And then I wanted to keep the tumor. So I, when I come, when they like, like, oh, she's out of surgery, she's fine. I'm like, can I see the tumor? And the 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 vet text like, you. Or I go, can I keep it? She goes, no. She goes, but I can show it to you. Like, okay. So I, she's giving me the rat back, and she shows me a little tumor in a little jar, and then she gets up, She gets called away. I'm like, this is my moment. So I run out to the car, get into it. The car's on. I'm in reverse, and she's knocking at the window. She's like, I need that back.
0: Oh, why? It's you, technically
1: it's your rat. I paid fifteen hundred bucks. They do. They're like, it's going to pathology. I'm like, it's not. You're nah, just throwing
0: yeah, it away. No, no, and you know, you did the, a rat trick on the. Masses of illusion, and you couldn't use your own rat. So you had to, like, you know, find a rat. I had to borrow a rat in LA. I'm assuming. Because you
1: can't fly. It was actually one phone, second person I contacted was good to go. (laughs) And it was a boy rat. And the thing with boy rats, they have giant testicles. Uh-huh. So if you find the episode of me online of on masters of illusion, where I make the rat appear the whole time, my left hand is like cupping the rat's testicles because yeah. I'm like, if it's just ball town, they're not going to put that on TV.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not, it's not good TV <laughs>
1: well, standards and practice. It's great TV, but standards <laughs> and practices would cut that off.
0: Oh, so Louie, I really appreciate you. Let me interview you, man. This was fun. I, and this is the first interview that I never, I didn't do any research. <laughs>
1: You've lived the research.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I have nothing written down. I went all off, off the top of my head. So I apologize if I missed anything of importance. And uh, other than that, man, we really appreciate I, – I really appreciate uh, you letting me interview you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was a blast. That's it for today, folks. want to thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out more information like who's performing, how to volunteer, how to contribute, be sure to go to the Moisture Festival website, which is moisturefestival.org. If you like this podcast, you can
1: check out the podcast that Matt and I do called the Odd and Offbeat Podcast. Yeah. You can get on all of the podcast places, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and where we talk about weird news stories of the day. It's a good time.
0: Yeah, if you like this podcast, you will love that because it is all things weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that has links to my personal page and Louis Fox's personal page if you want to follow what we do individually. So we want to thank all of the
1: performers, donors, sponsors, volunteers who put on the Moisture Festival. It really takes a village to make this thing happen.
0: Absolutely. We want to thank you for listening, and we want to thank you in advance for coming out to the Moisture Festival. So be sure to check out the Moisture Festival's site. They also have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and a YouTube page to see how you can get involved and be a part of this year's or next year's Moisture Festival. We want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, and we hope to see you soon. See you there! Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival podcast, and stay moist.